Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Murder with My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Hello, mother. My 48-year-old mother. Hey, I told you I was born in 1985. (laughs) Mom just celebrated her birthday on the weekend, October 3rd. On Sunday. Libras. She's nice and balanced. Just as crazy (laughs) on each side of the scale. Yeah, balance. That's all. That's what balance is. Yeah. So that's old news. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, And yeah, it's kind of like gloomy and blah because it's, you know, October weather. So we also just celebrated our one year anniversary of Murder With My Mother. Well, that's October 1st. It was October 1st. Yeah. So it was a couple days before mom's birthday and... Yeah, here we are. So kudos to all of you that have listened to every episode, and if you got sick of us after a couple, then <laughs> you're not you, listening right now. Why don't you turn it back on and give her another go? Go fuck yourself. No, <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't hear it anyway. Yourself. They wouldn't hear it anyway. But no, um, you know, to keep you guys updated with any of those cases, there's no updates. Uh, well, I think last time we talked to you, the police were still at Naomi Onatera's house in Langley, and they had the F-CERT team digging up the entire yard after the cadaver dogs found a trace of something, and the case was handed over to IHIT. Then they spent 12 days at the house, and they had the road blocked off, and tons of trucks, and anthropologists, and dogs and I saw a cool detective I think I told you guys about the mine hunter detective yeah and then it was so weird because they just packed up and and left they just kicked it and they didn't even tell anybody anything and we're like I said we're in those groups on Facebook so the um, discussion group for Naomi Onatera. People and, are losing their fucking oh, minds. They are going like they're like we don't feel safe what's going on it's crickets in this group and like Obviously, if there's been nothing, it's pretty much just a bunch of people on there speculating, obviously, about what they think happened. And honestly, human nature, it's pretty easy to do that, especially in a situation where it looks like one person. It probably is one person. Everything points to one person. And the person that it points to, not mentioning any names, because we don't really know the real names. <laughs> yeah, because he's pretty... Because he's pretty sketch. Yeah. He's actually back at the house, living his best life, taking the bus everywhere, and there's a missing poster of her on the front door, so... Maybe he should go for hikes with Ian. Ian. <laughs> You'll have to drive by and suggest thing. that next time I stop yeah. driving by quite as frequently. <laughs> So I started a new shift at work, and I am full of fucking piss and vinegar today because <laughs> I don't start. vinegar? You probably are. I don't <laughs> start work until 11 a.m. now. None of this 5 o'clock in the morning bullshit. So, so she's got lots of piss and vinegar in there, I guess. That's, yeah. I've never well, heard that in my life. Well, there's another one to add to your old lady. <laughs> and today on Murder With My Mother, old people word of the day. It's, well, I do yeah. catch you using quite a few of them True. all the time. I'm going to be so. like, I'm full of piss and vinegar, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so um, nothing on the Trina Hunt front yet. 
I don't know. I feel terrible for her family and everyone that's still waiting and the $50,000 reward that they offered still has not brought up any interest. I still have my Justice for Trina sticker on the back of my car. I saw someone yesterday with one too, the same one you have. Yeah. So, well, I mean, get the word out. Keep her just in your thoughts and hopefully something will happen and they'll catch that bastard. And shout out to Frankie who made the stickers because... I went and got one off her, and she was a cool chick. I gave her the name of our podcast. Yeah, hopefully she's I don't know listening. if she's listening after the first one or not, but if you are, hey, Frankie. Yeah. In other news, Gabby Petito, her body was located. I don't remember if we said that last time. Um, and Brian Laundry, her fiancé, which I read actually a couple months before she went missing, they actually decided to take a step back, so they were just boyfriend and girlfriend again. So I'm going to refer to her and him as boyfriend and girlfriend. But he went missing, and so he's been missing. But <laughs> Dog the Bounty Hunter is fresh on his tail. So no ice in paradise. Uh, I used to love that show. I used to watch it religiously. <laughs> Big old doggy's going to get him. I know it. Yep. This so... world is just so fucked. Like, what is it? <laughs> What is it like reality that someone's going to get killed in real life? Someone's going to find their body or lead FBI to their body from YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. And then Dog the Bounty Hunter is going to step in and catch the guy that killed her. Yeah. And who even let him fucking go anywhere is my question. His parents. No, I know. But like, you know, like, well, I don't know. It's all sus to me. It's all sus. And (laughs) I mean, we live in a country that is pretty lenient on criminals and today's case is actually going to magnify showcase illuminate blow your fucking mind and like really really call attention to the fact that our justice system in canada is ex- shits the bed it does it's extremely lenient and yeah. this is going to be get ready to have your fucking mind blown on this one <laughs> Yeah. So with that, we will jump right into episode 26 of Murder With My Mother. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. So we are going to do another local case. Uh, We like to try to bring attention to some of our local crimes and give some attention to the victims of the people that kind of touch the lives around the area where we live. And today's case, we are going to talk about the murder of 40-year-old Shelby Tracy Tom in North Vancouver. Who just went by Tracy because Tracy was born male and transitioned later in life, I think pretty early in life, to female. So she had the gender reassignment surgery and she was living her life as a woman. She was a woman. On May the 31st, 2003, a owner of a dry cleaner company, dry cleaning company, sorry, uh, went outside after opening up his business in the morning and saw a suspicious carpet rolled up or what looked to be a carpet uh, in a shopping cart covered in garbage bags. And he thought to himself, this looks like a body. That looks like a body. So he walked over and investigated. I think that like all the time when I drive. Myself, I know. I'm like, too. there's probably a body in there. He went by and investigated and sure enough, it looked to be the silhouette of a human body. So he immediately called the North Vancouver police. 
the police showed up and sure enough it was the deceased body of a female victim and she was wrapped in a mattress pad and a comforter of a nearby hotel yeah and it said right on there so again we don't like to give killers tips but sometimes you think you know if you just maybe cut the tag off or you know took a little more care and caution it might not have led back to the travel lodge where in room 214 they found jatin patel who was staying in room 14 and they actually noticed that one of the beds was missing a mattress cover so dun 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 like after talking to jatin patel they got out of him pretty easily that he had been associating with sex workers in the area and that he had just come from the united states where he was deported back to canada uh, after serving a jail sentence a few jail sentences actually so he had just actually got out of jail uh, I think it was four days months, before yeah. that. Yeah. And he did a 60 month sentence for, uh, I want to say theft, like robbery yeah. theft. So he was put into the jail cell and they actually put him in there with an undercover cop, which they do quite a bit. And you have to remember that this was only one year after Robert Pickton was apprehended. So think of the the cops are probably like, okay, we haven't covered Robert Picton yet, but if you're familiar with that case, you know that the law enforcement of Vancouver faced a lot of scrutiny after because they did not deal with that in a good way. They pretty much just ignored it. For 20 years. For 20 years. And that's another thing too. We like to talk about on Murder With My Mother is just because of something that you choose to do for a profession, um, a lot of things are for survival, right? A lot of the time, we've talked about it before, trauma leads you down certain pathways and these people are no less than, these are, they're not, it doesn't, you don't deserve to die because you're a sex worker, you know? And so the fact that the police don't put as much of a- a, Value. Yeah, well, value for sure on sex workers and the murder of sex workers and not even just sex workers murdered missing indigenous women um different people from different walks of life you know they think because you live a high-risk lifestyle oh they just ran away that's usually the go-to yeah. right everyone just fucking runs away 1972 all over again. you're hitchhiking and you probably just ran away so, so it was traced back to the body was was traced back to one of the sex workers that Jatin Patel had admitted to spending time with. Yeah, so within 24 hours, he said that he had spent time with two sex workers. The first one he talked about and described and said she was blonde and she was um, kind of like a little rougher, I think. Yeah. Um, but that was the second one. And then, obviously, after they coaxed him a little bit, he gave the description of the first sex worker that he picked up and it matched that of the body that they had found. So the body was identified as Tracy Tom, and she actually was a more actually upper class kind of high track sex worker. So she, you know, had a higher rate, uh, probably more selective clientele, probably more regular clientele. And she was actually, she met him at the penthouse, which is a nightclub down, uh, it's actually a strip club, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And she, 
wasn't a survival sex worker. She had a degree in history from Simon Fraser University. She owned uh, an expensive condo for those times. Yeah, half a million dollars. And in that time, 2003, half a million, it was probably a really nice condo. Now you'll get um, a bachelor suite. Not even. (laughs) Um, A one-bedroom shack for, not even, not even a bedroom. And and nothing's included. But back then, yeah, like she, in 2003, she was doing very well for herself. And she was just biding her time. She was... Uh, planning to go and use her degree. And in the meantime, she was said to have been um, instrumental in helping out whoever she could on the downtown east side, which is the rougher area of survival sex workers and a lot of uh, people that are substance abusers. Trauma central. Yeah, trauma central. So she was said to be a key core helper um, provider down in that area. Well, and you have to think too, for someone who has transitioned and is living their life as a, as a woman, as a trans woman, there's a lot that comes with that because there's a lot of scrutiny towards, you know, things that people don't understand. Nowadays, we have a lot of respect, obviously. And I mean, they obviously were all always entitled to respect, but there's more of a light shone on, you know, the LGBTQ plus community and more understanding, more awareness, more everything before it was kind of like, you know, like even to say like, oh, that's gay, you know, nowadays people have more of a, you don't say that you don't say stuff where it's, you know, kind of you, I don't know, you just don't, it's just very different in today's world, but there well, are still people that just, they don't understand it, so they just... It makes them uncomfortable, yeah. basically, and I think that we, one thing I am proud of us for, most of us, is to realize that we are born a certain way and feeling a certain way, and the transgender community is basically someone that's born in the wrong body Mm -hmm. and they grow up in the wrong body until now it's come to a place where people are recognizing it and accepting it in even in their young children and it's great because people can go on to live the life they were meant to live without the trauma associated with being so different and I hope that that continues to be progressive in our world And back in 2003, honestly, I think is what we're trying to say is really it wasn't a progressive time for for people that were transgendered. No. And if you actually look, there's some like, okay, Ed Gein, obviously we're going to talk about serial killers. Ed Gein, he didn't, he he grave dug and he actually um, would skin women. This is, I know it seems like I'm going on a tangent, but he would skin women because he wanted to, he was a transgender, but yeah. he couldn't come out because back in the times, he, that, what was that? He wanted to be a woman. He felt like he was a woman. So he would wear women's skin. Okay. Maybe don't go about it in that way because that's creepy as fuck, but, but that's you know how what much I mean? confusion exactly. That it and so at the end of the day, all anybody wants is to be accepted. So that's why, like you said, the way, the way the world is going now, the generation today is so understanding. They're being raised progressive with, and fluidity of yeah. like just being who you are and love is love. And, you know, being, you're lucky if you're born into a body where you feel like yourself, if you're not, you know, if people can't understand, okay, well, maybe you're lucky that you can't understand that because it doesn't mean it's something that you need to scrutinize, but it's probably no walk in the fucking park to be born in one body and feel like you are supposed to have another, you know, let alone with people 
making fun of you and not understanding you. And a lot of like a lot of hate crimes towards transgender, the trans- transgender community is very physical and very violent. It's true, yeah. So, anyway, that's my so, my tangent. Once they figured out who the victim was and Jatin was in jail, like Danica said they put a undercover officer in with him to try to get him to talk. And at first he wasn't really talking very much. He admitted that he had been in jail in the states and he said he probably wouldn't be getting out anytime soon because he was in jail for murder and that was about all he said but he also said that he didn't really care as long as he only did about three years and that jail in canada was basically a walk in the park which i'm not gonna argue with patel because i think obviously given our other episodes and things that we know about the criminal justice system that's what it is it's criminal justice so it's not Victim justice. Victim justice, exactly. So he was taken in again for questioning, and at one point he decided to just spill. Yeah, and their tactics worked, so. So we're going to talk a little bit about what made Jatin Patel, the lovely human being, not that he was. Mom, you got a dog. A big dog, too. I do. He's pretty big. He's over 100 pounds. Do you ever take him anywhere and get, like, super stinky and, like... (laughs) Every single, at least, second day. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not alone that my dog likes to roll in the stinkiest stuff at the park. So, for those long, stinky car rides home, I just started using FurSense Dog Dry Shampoo. I also started using it, and it's awesome. It's a lifesaver. So it is. I know how much I love dry shampoo to use on my own greasy hair. So if you need it for your dogs, freshen them up. First Sense. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and go to www.firstsense.ca. First Sense. Say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. Jatin Patel was born on September the 9th, 1974 in Toronto, Canada. And his birth to start out with was a shit show. His mom went into labor at home and she was alone and ended up having him on the floor of their kitchen. And the neighbor found them. And which I was like, okay, hey, if I go into labor, like and I have to rely on a neighbor, like nobody will ever find me. Well, not this day and age. <laughs> no. Progressive, but not progressive in the socialization aspect. No, it's gone the other way, I think that way. So he was born with a bunch of weird quirks i guess you could say deformities um one being a closed anus a closed anus so he had a closed anus which i didn't even know was a thing but i guess it is and sorry if anyone has a closed anus i just never heard about it before no so if you do then i'm cool with it hopefully it got opened and also a weird growth on his head a tumor a tumor growing off of his head and he was born to Indo-Canadian parents that um, he said were pretty old-fashioned, but it didn't sound like they were like Indian very involved in the Indian mm-hmm. community. And he wasn't really ever allowed to play with anyone or apparently. I mean, this could just be him singing a sob story too. So... When he was a young boy, his family moved from Toronto uh, to the southern United States 
uh, I think Georgia mostly. Yeah, that's where he spent most of his time was Georgia. So he was there from kindergarten to the fifth grade. So I think that's where he was the most. So you have to think they probably moved around really pretty frequently if he was only in one place at the most for five years. Yeah, and his family's business was they would buy motels and uh, basically flip them, like fix them up, run them for a bit, and then flip them. And so he witnessed, how old was he when that happened? Ten. So when he was but I don't ten. know if he witnessed it oh. or um, his, so his father who ran one of the motels, I guess, had a um, dispute with one of his employees over finances, probably didn't pay him, didn't pay him enough. I'm not sure, but, um, that actually ended in a murder suicide. So Jatel's Jatel, what's his fucking name? Jatin. Jatin. <laughs> Sorry. So Jatin's dad was murdered and the man after committed suicide. So that's traumatic. Oh so, yeah, that's a bit of a fucked up start yeah. for a ten year old. Well, the closed anus, and now the fucking the dead dad. I mean, <laughs> oh. Jesus. Well, it still doesn't fucking give him the right to do what he did. No. Anywho, um, he's in grade twelve, so at the age of probably seventeen. Yeah. Uh, was charged for the first time because he forged a bunch of checks that he stole from his mom and cashed them. And he also had uh, broken into some of the motel guest rooms and stole some checks of theirs, forged and cashed those. And he was just given probation at that time. But that kind of started him onto a life of doing that kind of stuff like crazy. Like he was in jail several times for theft. Um, yeah. yeah, forgery. So obviously you have to think too because... I'm not sure if after his dad passed away, but I would assume they continued to run motels. The mom probably continued to run either that motel or another one. So he probably had a lot of access to the front desk where people back in the day, you would pay in a check, right? So think about, he probably had all this access to people giving him checks, giving him credit cards, giving him this, giving him that, working the front desk, just being the kid of the owners. And so I think that that just probably he... I mean, when you're dealing with trauma, again, his dad died, and I think that he was quite sheltered and closeted and kept kind of too... I don't think he had a whole lot of friends and stuff. And he's only five foot two two and 120 pounds, and so, yeah. I could fucking foot sweep him so (laughs) so fast. (laughs) We were talking about how easy we could beat him up, but... Anyway, he... (laughs) I feel like that's a theme. (laughs) Maybe we're violent. Like, I could fucking bench press that motherfucker. (laughs) So after a bunch of time in jail on and off, and there are reports, like documented reports, that he had reported that he was sexually assaulted in prison. Well, he spent, after it was all said and done, he was in there for 14 years in penitentiaries in the United States. Yeah, so... So that makes Canada look like an even bigger fucking walk in the park than it actually is, especially... When it comes to the legal justice. Yeah, totally. Because there, they are not fucking... They're not, not fucking around. No. Like, that's it. Uh-uh. So, finally, the states got sick of his bullshit and deported him back to his home country, which is Canada. And he came back for a little while. But none of his family lived here because they all lived in the States. Yeah, so he lied and went back over the border. And the border guard had asked him, like... Have you ever had any run-ins with the law? Probably a bad tactic to just take someone's word. Yeah, and they did take his word and let him back in. 
So but this then, was also pre-9-11, so they were a lot more lenient before 2001. Yeah, that is true. So, but still, I mean, fucking run the guy's name, you know? Like, yeah. So then he got caught again, mm-hmm. and they realized and sent him back again. And he was also charged for... Um, lying, lying to, to an to officer. A, yeah. Big whoop. <laughs> So he was just back in Canada, like, for one day when the crime against Tracy happened. Yeah, so he went to the penthouse. Obviously, he's looking for a good time um, and goes to somewhere that sounds fun, I'm assuming, and looks for a sex worker. So this makes me think, though, there's no way that this could have been his first time. Because you have to think, in the States... They're not quick to link things, you know? So it's like, how do they even know that this was the first time that That this this happened? happened, Right? Who knows? Well, there's so many unsolved cases. Well, and the fucking shit that this guy gets himself into over the next 10 years is like fucking ridiculous. Yes. So he, apparently they had an agreement that he would pay her $400. Where is he getting this money? (laughs) Like he just I don't know. Maybe forged. Maybe forged his mom's check, and Probably. he was gonna pay Tracy with the four hundred bucks. But he said to the police that they went back to the room, they exchanged sex, and while he was in the process of performing oral sex on Tracy, he saw scars that were indicative of her having had gender reassignment surgery. Which and he flipped out and couldn't help it and broke her esophagus is what yeah, you said. He broke her esophagus. But for me, and I'm no expert, but I don't know if I would be able to tell when someone's had gender reassignment surgery. So I don't know if he just. Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. But you, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. because, okay, there could be scarring. What if it's from something else? You know, especially if it's on your genitals, you don't know. Well, it comes up later again with the pathologist report, but we'll get to that. But that makes me think that they had a conversation. I he think. He said, are you a transgender or obviously probably in a little bit of a ruder way, but that, it makes me feel like there's no way he just went and just jumped to, I'm going to choke you because I think you, you, you were born a man. So I think that was his excuse a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So after he he says that he checked for a pulse after he mistakenly flipped out and strangled and uh, hit Tracy and then he he all of a sudden realized what he was doing checked for a pulse realized she was dead and so he then put her body into a closet in the hotel and covered it with some laundry and stuff and then he went back out the same night and proceeded to find another sex worker who he called Kara named Kara who he paid a hundred dollars to go get some drugs and he did drugs with her did cocaine with her uh, they had sex and then somewhere in the midst of all that time she discovered Tracy's body in the closet which weird because if you're just there to have sex with someone and do drugs why are you going through their closet I don't know I mean, it's not like he just—he doesn't deserve privacy or anything, but, you know, that struck me as weird, too. Again, it's like they're missing something along there. Like, he probably said, like, hey, guess what I did, or, like, something. Well, you, you know, know, like, and when you're on coke, you want to yeah. fucking talk everyone's ear that's off. That's just it. Like, so, so, I mean, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know either, it. but 
Anyway, I'm not doing it right now. I just had a lot of sleep last night. Piss and vinegar. Piss and vinegar. <laughs> so she, for some other reason, which I also don't get, the story has a lot of reasons I don't understand, but yeah. Kara, the other sex worker who was basically a survival sex worker, she, maybe the coke made her more agreeable too because... Yeah. She sat and reasoned with him because he was saying things to her like, oh, I think I'm going to throw the body in the uh, ocean or cut cut the body up or, or burn, burn it. it. Yeah. And she was like, uh, I don't think you should do that because that's going to be way more traumatic for I'd be like, I'm getting the, the fuck out of here. Especially, yeah. especially he probably said, oh, she was a sex worker. And he's yeah. like, okay, this sounds familiar. And like, you know, wouldn't you get the fuck out of there? Well, after? not if the person had drugs, I guess. If you're well, I guess it. not, but. So she actually brought him a, um, they kind of came up with together, apparently, the way he was going to dispose of, of Tracy's body. And she was the one that went out and got him the shopping cart. Yeah, which uh, there was, two brains don't make any situation no. smarter because, like I said, there was a lot of things. They, it led the police back to the hotel in like fucking five minutes like well he didn't actually put the body out for two more days after that so yeah when they found the body they said it looked like it had been there for at least four or five days yeah so just from the decomp he got up at three in the morning wrapped everything up and then brought her wrapped in garbage bags on top of it all in a shopping cart out to a parking lot and an alley in North Vancouver this must have been a sketchy and then he still then he still stayed in the hotel like yeah. wouldn't you like book it well that's where they apprehended him was in the hotel like yeah four days later so so you'd think that yeah you think you would think just he even paid for that hotel room probably not he probably used a forged check do you think he even paid kara probably not he paid for drugs yeah i'm so... confused as to how he even had any of this money and he just came like do, do you think that they when they send you to canada when they're deporting you do they give you like an allowance or something? Like how uh, the fuck this guy was here for 15 minutes and he just was at the penthouse with all this money. Maybe his mom gave him money. Maybe. Sounds like a mama's boy to me. Mm-hmm. So he obviously he admitted to all this stuff and then the police were just like, okay, well. You're going to jail you're for going murder. To jail. So. For five minutes. His trial. Welcome to Canada commenced and his lawyer was using a defense plea that is very controversial basically the plea was that they should lessen the charge to manslaughter because he didn't realize that the person was transgendered and he flipped out when he found out and lost control and he offered to plead guilty to manslaughter. But the thing is, because the Crown was trying to go after him, well, they were trying to say that it was a hate crime because she was a transgender woman. But then his lawyer said, well, there's he didn't know until they were in the act that he was, or, or that, yeah, that he was having sexual relations with someone that was a transgender woman. But, and there's also that other um, defense where it's, what is it, like the gay... I forgot. What's it called? It's like the gay something defense. Basically, if you're a man and another, another man, man comes on to you... You have the right to kill them, basically. Which, okay, I'm sorry. If that was the right for a woman, you know how many fucking murders I'd have under my belt? Yeah. Like, seriously. You know, like, if a man just by saying something to you that made you feel uncomfortable... 
Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, and like many women are abused by their husbands and raped and raped and raped and raped and. Oh, but you're married. Yeah. And they kill their husbands and they end up in jail for life. Mm -hmm. So another thing that we kind of talked about earlier is that, um, the actual, the, the medical pathologist that performed the autopsy on Tracy and she actually did two autopsies could find no outward genital scarring. So if the, if the pathologist could not see scarring, I don't know if Jatin Patel had fucking scar vision glasses maybe, but there's no way that he could have seen any kind of scarring that would lead him to believe that she was transgender. And again, if there was, what is he a fucking scar expert? Yeah. And I think, I mean, that was what the case basically hinged on whether or not it was a hate crime was deemed due to whether or not he knew that she ahead of time was transgendered. And this is purely my opinion, but I believe that he took her home because she was transgendered and that was his jam. Yeah. And so that was his jam. Yeah. So stuff I will, think so too. Yeah. Stuff will come out later more and more that you're going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because we've been like, what the fuck for the last two <laughs> days researching this. So the judge found that there was not enough evidence to say that he had created a hate crime. So that and got thrown out. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and my opinion is what you paid for it, the <laughs> that's what it should be been, is a hate crime. But it was thrown or out as a hate crime. Yeah. Or even first degree murder. Or even second degree okay, murder. Okay, second degree. But at the same time, I think that when you especially use your hands to end someone's life and choke them out like that, you at least deserve some kind of murder charge. Yeah. So he was uh, sentenced in the end to nine years for manslaughter. But because he was arrested only four days after the crime and he stayed in jail from then until his sentencing or until he was found guilty of manslaughter, he only ended up serving four like years. four years. Four so, years for taking a human life. Welcome that to Canada. Brutally. He was released into the community that we currently live in. Yeah. Just no one was warned the first time. He was released into a halfway house. And then he decided shortly after to not come back on his curfew time. Yeah, so, so he wasn't even following simple orders of his pro, like of his parole. No, he was found to be doing a lot of stuff over that time. He was found to be using drugs. He was found to be not coming back when he was supposed to. Yeah, luring young girls on Facebook. Yeah. So he actually got. He was living in a halfway house in Surrey, and he found this girl on Facebook and started messaging her. And she was thirteen. So he actually talked her into coming to a motel. And, and she brought a friend. She brought one of her friends, and it was the Linda Vista. Oh. Yeah, so that's on King George, so, yeah, so you know that one. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a rundown area in Surrey. Um, along King George, there's a lot of motels, and it's rough, rough area. And so a 13-year-old, two 13-year-olds came to hang out with this creepy sex offender or murderer of a mass murderer. Yeah, who just got a jail yeah and they smoked crystal meth and he tried to basically have sex with her but she panicked probably because he's a fucking creepy weirdo and just offered to give him a hand job 
Ugh. So anyway. 13. 13. And so then that happened and uh, probably like a month after that, he was in Safeway, which I can pinpoint what Safeway it was. <laughs> probably the one in Wally on 108th and one. Uh, in King George. 104th and King George. Oh, 104th and King George, sorry. With the grossest bathroom on the planet. Yeah, and I've seen, like, literally probably 17 people get arrested there just driving by. And he actually went up to, there was a little girl, 13-year-old girl, in Safeway with her mom and her brother, and they were getting stuff for Sundays. They were getting toppings for Sundays. So her and her brother were in one aisle, and he just went up and pinched her butt for five seconds. It's not even like a, like a, oh, oops, sorry. It was like a a pinch and hold. And so then the mom was like, did you just fucking touch my daughter's ass? Because the daughter was like, he touched my bomb, you know? And then the police came, he was arrested, and then he was released again. So he has spent a lot of time back and forth to jail and it was and then it was a month after that that he invited that same girl from facebook that he met to come smoke meth at his halfway house so he said like put on a hoodie and you and your friends sneak in and he snuck two 13 year olds into his halfway house and the police just happened to show up there to do a check that night and they snuck back out the window and then they snuck back in until the next day. I don't know what kind of fucking halfway house that was, but and the, it's a fucking quarterway house because they're not even fucking, <laughs> no one's paying attention to anybody. So the only thing that even got him busted on that one was the police were familiar with one of the 13-year-old girls and knew she came from a rough home. And it was one of the community police in Wally happened to be driving by and saw this girl crying on the side of the road. And she told him what had happened both times. And that was all, that was the only way that they even got caught, that he even got caught for this crime. Yeah. So blows my fucking mind. And then this year in April, so he went to jail for those, but like, again, did five seconds because that was in 2015. Yeah. And it's what, 2021? Like, that's not even probably what all that's said and done. They made the announcement in April that he was now a high-risk offender living in Vancouver, so he was to be released. But he actually petitioned to not be a high-risk offender so he wouldn't be labeled as a high-risk offender, which, okay, I don't have a whole lot of information, but if I'm going to say anyone's a high-risk offender, like, he's pinching little girls' bums in grocery stores. Yeah. And not even that. He's he's freaking murdering sex workers (laughs) and doing everything else. But anyway, so Jatin Patel actually... This is the kicker. Yes. This is the fucking kicker. Now identifies as a woman. So, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but that kind of goes all the way back to Tracy Tom, and you have to think, and I was just talking about this with mom, if you ever watch a movie or, I mean, I've only seen it in movies, obviously, but when a man is in the closet and another openly and... Yeah, openly gay man approaches or initiates, recognizes, recognizes they usually snap in a violent rage and beat the shit out of them. Even, like, say they're, like, in the middle of getting a blowjob or <laughs> something yeah. like, you know, they freak out and they... they it's fucking, the inner shame and then, yeah. like, the denial of what you really are. So part of me thinks, actually, like, 100% of me, even the baby thinks, <laughs> that <laughs> Jatin Patel always knew that 
she was transgendered, but was triggered. And that's the reason that she brought Tracy Tom home and wanted to, you know, was curious and maybe even wanted to, like, ask questions or because Tracy Tom seemed like she was very open open and easy to talk to and smart and educated and all these things. Right. And especially to be a trans woman and an advocate for the trans community and the sex work community. also. Exactly. So Patel was probably almost like drawn to that and then had this shameful, like, like, I don't even know, freak out or something. I, I don't know. But that's the fucking kicker that I can't even believe. If you look up now, Jatin Patel, we'll it put says, we'll put pictures. On. Oh, we will. But anyway, also Jatin Patel had leukemia at one time and is in remission and all. This. There's a lot of stuff with this fucking woman now. But the the weird thing is, is she actually lives in our community. She could be listening to this podcast right now. You could be walking by her on the street. You would know. You so would really know. Once we put the picture up, I guess you'll know. But she's deemed a dangerous offender. They put out a warning saying if you see this person... Um, Violating her parole, and, and listed all the conditions. Like, she's not allowed to live or be near school or young children or anyone under 13. Unless or... she's accompanied by another adult, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, because like, there shouldn't if... even be those loopholes. What if she meets another fucking weirdo that wants to go and do the same shit pinch little girls bums in Safeway and- not allowed to drink not allowed to do drugs not allowed to do all the stuff that you know fucking well that she's doing out there right now probably as we speak and then it says if you witness Jatin Patel doing these things call the police but I'm sorry Jatin Patel needs a fucking monitor on her ankle or and not to confuse you guys because I know in the beginning of this obviously through the story she transitioned to be a woman but I have, I'm going to refer to her as a woman now because that's what she goes by. But it's like, if you see her violating her parole because her parole officer probably has her fucking eyes closed, (laughs) then call the police. Like, I don't know. So, but you know, how is, how do they expect that? Because we only found one article where it says that she identifies as a woman now. Yeah, because it's embarrassing for the judicial, judicial system that just fucking let him at the time go and like... How is that? That's so coincidental. That's too, too coincidental that he, when he identified as a man, murdered a transgendered woman and then, and then now is a transgendered woman. But how unfair is that? Don't you think you should make that very well known? Because they look completely different now. They're identifying as a woman. What if yeah. you don't realize it's the same person from 2003 that is committing these offenses or this, you know, these acts if they're violating their parole? I'm no like, fucking rocket scientist, but this all makes sense to me. Right? Fucking anyway. Baking soda and vinegar. Fucking <laughs> rocket science. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so that that was one of the biggest kind of... Like, my, what the fuck? Yeah. When we started researching this case, I had no idea that Jatin Patel now identifies as a woman until I then found... Danica sent me the 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 picture and we're like, oh my goodness me. Yeah, so on on our artwork for this week, we will put a picture of Jatin in 2003 and we'll put a picture of Jatin. And honestly, you know that I don't really like to... Um, I would rather put pictures of the We don't want to glorify. No, but you know what? This person is out and living in our community. So keep your fucking eyes peeled for this fucking weirdo because... And also they're... um, 
to say about Tracy Tom, like all we've really heard about her is really nice things that people from her community that knew her said, but her family was extremely private and there's not a lot of information on her uh, upbringing and her life before. We know she had siblings that were very close to her, mm-hmm. but yeah, there wasn't a lot of um, stuff for us to call attention to about her life and to celebrate. No, and you know, we love to talk about the victim and talk about the life that they lived. And unfortunately, there's not a whole lot at our disposal to find about her, right? So, And even picture-wise, there's like basically one picture that circulates. So we will put that picture up, but... Yeah, and everyone that knew her loved her. Everyone that knew her had nothing but good things to say about her. Great and, things to say about yeah, her. Yeah, and apparently it was the same. And Anyone that she knew, she never had a bad word to say about anybody. But the thing is that really gets me is when you Google anything about Jatin Patel, it says, oh, Jatin Patel murdered a transsexual sex worker. Like, they don't even call her by name. They don't give her the respect and the, you know, the, the memoriam that she deserves because there's not, like I said, because of what lifestyle you choose, that doesn't mean that you are lesser than, than anybody else. That is true. And on that note, love each other, keep each other safe. And I hope none of you runs into Jatin Patel. Yeah. And if you do fucking punch him right in the anus. Leg sweep, kick him in the wall. (laughs) Sorry. Punch her right in the anus. How about that? Hopefully it's not still closed. (laughs) Anyway. We love you guys. And that was episode 26. And yeah, good job, mom. That was a good one. Thanks. That was a fucked up one, though. That was very interesting, yeah. And you know, all of these cases, I can't help but take every single one we do about the Canadian justice system. It just makes me want to rip all my hair out and yell what the fuck and... Just well, especially because there's people that have done like 20 years in jail for growing pot, and this guy did four years in jail. Oh, he also robbed a bank at one point or attempted to rob a bank of Montreal hmm. in Surrey, but got away with no money. Oh. So, uh, I don't know, like, if that's not like a, a high risk offender, I don't know the fact that he was easily to be like, I'm not a high risk offender. Sorry, she was able to say. I'm not a high-risk offender, and then they just let it go. It's like, wouldn't you look at the fucking backup and be like, actually, bitch, you are a high-risk offender. Yeah. And if if kids aren't even safe in a grocery store, like, without being sexually groped or on Facebook, do you know what I mean? Like, I really hope, like, this is one of those cases where I don't want to make a dire prediction, but it seems like this person is not done offending. So no. hopefully I'm wrong and... I'd like to wish all of you a really happy Thanksgiving next weekend. Canadian Thanksgiving is next weekend. Mm -hmm. And go out there and get some turkey. And hopefully love your family. And don't be a Jatin Patel. Yeah. There you go. Take it easy, everybody. So until next time, this has been Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Bye.